This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Here I am waiting, abide in me, I pray. Here I am longing for you. Hide me in your love, bring me to my knees. May I know Jesus more and more, more and more. Come live in me all my life. Take over. Take over, come breathe in me, I will run on eagles Thank you. Matt, I love that song. Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And um, today we're actually going to wrap up our, our series entitled The Biggest Battle. And uh, I had someone on the way out after the early service. They said, so this is the final message. And I said, yes. And they said, thank the Lord. We thought you'd never get out of it. But it's only been three weeks. But um, in this series, we've been looking at how God's Word tells us how to effectively fight the enemy of temptation. Now, we all battle temptation at one level or another. It may may come in the form of thoughts. That, that's what messes with me the most, just my thought life. S- sometimes it's... It's behavioral patterns, uh, things that have plagued us maybe a good part of our lives. Maybe it's been in our family for generations. What I found out is there are sins that are passed on from fathers to the sons to their sons. It's generational sins. And, and so maybe it's battling against those things. But when we come up against all of those temptations, the key verse that we've been looking at every week gives us so much hope. Let me just go ahead and read it for you again. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and this is from the NIV. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. Did you catch that? God is faithful. How is He faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So, if you're addicted to gambling, there's a way out. If you're addicted, and this may touch more of you, if you're addicted to criticizing and complaining, there's a way out. If you're addicted to comparing, 
there's a way out. If you're addicted to overspending, there's a way out. If you're addicted to worry, there's a way out. If you're addicted to social media, which takes in about most of us here, there's a way out. If you're addicted to smoking, drinking, chewing, snorting, popping pills, there's a way out. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will always give you a way out. Would you say amen? Now, I've found that there's a common misconception about the way, the best way to fight temptation. Many times people will say, well, about the only thing to do to fight temptation is just block the temptation out of your mind. You know, kind of like you can block a certain phone number on your your phone. I did that this past week. Not one of you, but uh, it it was a sales call and I blocked that number. Um, But there's one problem with that strategy about blocking that thought from your mind. The problem is that it doesn't work. I mean, just trying to block a temptation out of your mind and not think about it generally doesn't cause that temptation to go away. Let me illustrate with an experiment. And I need all of you to work with me, okay? Um, I need everybody to close their eyes. Nobody peeking or I'm going to call out your name. Nobody looking. All eyes closed. Follow my instructions. Eyes closed. Here they are. Don't think about a black spider crawling on the floor right by your foot. Don't think about it. I mean, don't don't think about this spider. Eyes closed. Don't think about this spider that has a body that's about two inches in diameter and has four inch legs and is hairy and ugly. Don't think about that spider that's about ready to crawl up your leg. I'm telling you, don't think about it. Just block it from your mind. Okay, open your eyes. What image do you see in your mind? Uh, A a pink elephant? (laughs) No. You see the image of a black, hairy, ugly spider ready to crawl up your leg. And and some of you are looking down. Make sure it's not there. Now, for for you arachnophobes or or those that have a fear of spiders, and I know some of you are like that, that was a little bit cruel, but, but I think this helps us to realize that just the simple act of trying to block something out of our minds does not cause it to go away. In fact, in, in some ways, it, beco- it becomes more prominent in our minds. And so in our lesson, we're going to see that Scripture gives us a better plan than just trying not to think about that temptation. Now, to help set the stage for our lesson... I came across a very interesting study done by a guy uh, named Bruce Alexander. Uh, He was a professor of psychology uh, at Vancouver University. Now, uh, before I tell about his experiment that he did with some rats, and we've gone from spiders to rats now, but before we get to his experiment, let me just ask a question that will help uh, lay the foundation for this experiment and make a little bit more sense. Here's the question. Why is it that even though our spirit most of the time wants to do what's right, yet we find ourselves doing wrong. You know, Paul said it well in the book of Romans. He he said, well, you know, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The, The bad that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Why is it that 
that the Spirit, we want to do what's right. But so many times, the flesh wins the battle. Why? Well, the reason is because we're not connected to the source that makes us strong. In other words, our flesh is dictating our actions and we're living strictly for ourselves. And, and we've not taken advantage of the power that Christ offers us to make us strong. Now, to the experiment that Bruce Alexander did, and remember kind of what we've talked about there the last uh, minute or so. Bruce took some rats and put them in a cage. In that cage, he put a regular water bottle so that those rats could freely drink as much whenever they wanted to. Um, but then he took a second bottle of water. This water he mixed with cocaine or heroin. Very addictive drugs. And uh, after he did this, he just sat back curious as to which water the rats would drink. Well, in this experiment that he watched over several days, these rats ended up choosing the water that was drug-laced. In fact, they ended up getting addicted to the heroin or the cocaine. And according to Bruce Alexander, in this experiment, he said 100% of the rats ended up overdosing on the drug-laced water. 100% of them overdosed. And he thought, man, that's interesting. Why? Well, he had another idea. He said, wait a minute, these rats really had nothing to live for. The only thing they had to live for was that high that the cocaine or the heroin would give them after they drank the water. That was all they had to live for. So, so he created another experiment, and, and he created what he called a rat park. Kind of like a Disney World for rats. He, he put in the cage little balls that they could play with and push around. He put some tunnels in there. He put those little wheels that hamsters like to spin around on. And he even gave them a generous amount of cheese. And then for the water, he gave them the same options. A bottle of regular water, a bottle of water mixed with heroin, cocaine. Now, remember in the previous study, 100% of the rats overdosed. But what's interesting is that now in this study, with the rat park, with the different things for them to occupy their time, what was interesting is that not one single rat overdosed on the drug-infused water. Well, as, as Bruce thought about this, it, it led him to an aha moment with regards to addictions. And, and he formed two conclusions. The first was that when we don't have anything to live for, then we become more vulnerable to doing wrong things. The second conclusion was that when we do have something to live for, Beyond ourselves. When, when we invest our lives in things beyond us, then we become more resistant to the temptations and the addictions that take so many of us down. Now today you'll be glad to know that we're not going to base our sermon on an experiment with a bunch of dirty rats. Yet we do find that scripture actually does support some of the same conclusions that Bruce Alexander formed during these experiments. 
Scripture helps us to see that we need to live beyond ourselves. You know, too many times we're like those rats that all they had going in their lives was the high that they got from the drug-laced water. That's all. And because they had nothing, in essence, to, to, to bond to that gave them strength, what happened is they succumbed to a very low level of mere existence that in the end destroyed them. Which leads me to say that we must have something beyond ourselves to live for. We must be connected to a divine source that will not just give us a little temporary high, but this source will give us peace and joy, not only for this life today, but for eternity. And until there's that connection to something, or in our case, someone beyond ourselves, then we're going to be vulnerable as those rats were. And we're going to succumb to a very low level of living that includes a lot of addictions and temptations. Let's spend some time talking about how we can spiritually be connected to the one who makes us strong against temptation. And these are three very basic things, but absolutely essential for your spiritual strength. And remember the, the statement that we've been saying pretty much every week during this series, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. So the first essential to, be, to being connected is that we must feed our spirit with prayer. Just as exercise makes the body strong, prayer makes the spirit strong. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray. Why? So that you will not fall into temptation. And here's what I was saying. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Watch and pray. Why? So you do not fall into temptation. Prayer is that great weapon that strengthens your spirit against temptation. Watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. Now, how many times have we ever heard someone say, well, oh, I fell into temptation. Oh, I fell into sin. I fell into immorality. And my guilt is so strong I can hardly live with myself because I was unfaithful. Um... I think we've all heard people say that. But have you ever thought about this? No one ever says this. Well, I, I just fell into righteousness. You know, I was just going along, but I tripped and fell and I became holy. <laughs> and when I fell and became holy, I don't know if I can ever live with myself. You know, you don't ever hear anyone say, well, I put myself in a bad situation morally and I was getting ready to do some things that were wrong, but all of a sudden I just tripped and fell into purity. No, you trip and fall into temptation. But righteousness and purity come about through intentional pursuit. You, you don't fall into purity. You don't fall into holiness. You pursue them. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. You remember when Jesus was in the place that we've come to know as the Garden of Gethsemane, and this was right before he was going to the cross to give his life, and Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the suffering that was coming. He felt weak. And, and, and did you know that Jesus was tempted to try to bypass the cross? Do you realize that? Because he prayed to God, if there's any other way, would you remove this cup from me? 
there was a temptation to say, I just can't do it. He, he knew the physical torture that he would have to endure. And, and he was saying, God, if there's still a way that, that, that we can still have a plan of salvation without my suffering, let's go that way. But then he prayed perhaps the greatest prayer of submission. Nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. And last week we talked about submitting to God. And, and if you weren't here, I, you know, I gave a bookmark. And I think we still have a few left there on the, at the welcome desk. But anyway, that's, uh, it was just a, you know, a prayer of submission to where we submit everything to God. You know, for example, it says, God, I submit my mind to you. Give me the mind of Christ. God, I, I, I submit my eyes to you today that I would only look on things that are pure and pleasing to you. God, I, I submit my ears to you. God, that I would only hear that which is consistent with your word. I submit my mouth that, that my words would only be used to build up others. And, and we went through that whole prayer of submission. And, and I've been trying to pray that prayer this, pray that prayer this week, and I hope you have as well. So we need to feed our spirits with prayer. God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. The second thing we must do is we must feed our spirit with God's word. And I love the question that David asks in, in Psalm 119.9. And if you're a young person here, listen to this. How can a young man, or I think we could change that, young woman keep his, her way pure? It's a great question. By living according to your word is what that verse says. Now, it doesn't say by living according to whatever culture is doing. That's a recipe to mess up. It doesn't say by living according to what all of your friends are doing. How do you stay pure? By living according to God's Word. The, the Word is living. It's, it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, if you were raised in church, you've heard a lot about the armor of God, and, and you could probably name off the different parts of, of the armor. But what's interesting is that all the parts mentioned of the armor of God are defensive weapons, except for one. You know, there's the belt of truth. That's a defensive weapon. You've got the helmet of salvation that protects our minds from the enemy. That's a defensive weapon. You, you can't do anything with the helmet that would be labeled as an offensive weapon unless you throw it to somebody. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. That, that protects our, our, our vital organs. Um, got the, you know, the shoes of the gospel of peace. You've got the shield of faith. But, but there's one other weapon, and, and all of those are defensive weapons, but, but there's one other weapon and, and that, that's mentioned, and that's the sword of the Spirit, and it goes on and says that's the Word of God. That is the offensive weapon, and, and it happens to be a powerful weapon that we can use to push Satan back. In fact, that's how Jesus fought against the attacks and, and temptations of Satan. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus said, no, it is written. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, Satan tried another strategy. He said, well, why don't you throw yourself off this building and let the angels catch you? And Jesus said, no, it is written. Man shall not put the Lord your God to test. Satan said, well... Why don't you bow down and, and, and worship me and, and, and I'll give you all of this, all of the kingdoms. And Jesus said, no, it is written. I will worship the Lord my God and serve him only. So when Satan comes and 
begins tempting you, the best thing, the weapon to use is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and say, I remind you this is what the Word of God says. And that's why it's so important for us to hide God's Word in our hearts so that we know it. And, and uh, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And, and I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And my God is faithful. And here we go again. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. But every time I'm tempted, God will always give me a way out. We must feed our spirit with God's word. Well, let's go on to the third to the third point. We must feed our spirit with the right people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34, 33 and 34, Paul was very direct. And, you know, I love Paul because he didn't pull any punches. I, I love the fact that Paul wasn't trying to be politically correct, make everybody happy. Listen to what he said. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character and then verse 34 come back to your senses as you ought stop sinning for there are some who are ignorant of god i say this to your shame he said shame on you you're sinning come back to your senses bad company corrupts good character being around the wrong people never helps you do the right thing. In fact, let me say it again. You might want to write down that. Being around the wrong people never helps you do the right thing. And, and, and honestly, I believe there are some people that need a friendship upgrade. You don't necessarily need to go to them and say, well, you don't make the cut anymore. I'm upgrading you for somebody else. Uh, but you may need to do that. You know, if you're still weak and you're trying to overcome alcohol or drugs or gossip, criticism, you may need to have a friendship upgrade. To live a victorious life, you need to be around people who sharpen you, who strengthen you, who love you enough to tell you the truth and tell you like it is. And uh, I said this last week, but the reason that so many people get in trouble is because sin grows best in the dark. But it's amazing that when we find a godly and trustworthy friend that we can open up to and say, I'm struggling here. And, and you can say, you know what, I slipped up again. And your friend can maybe say, you know what, that's twice in the last three months that you slipped up in this area. And, and I'm your friend and, and, and I'm not going to judge you. But, but let's think of a way that we can handle this differently. And, and God has something better for you. He has a higher standard. And, and, and let's work on this together. You know, I'm afraid that there are many Sunday morning Christians that right now are lacking the depth of real spiritual community. There are a lot of people that think that Christianity is reduced to one hour and 15 minutes each week on a Sunday morning. And, and you know, I'm glad you're in church, but, but don't forget that church is not something we go to. We are the church, the body of Christ. And yes, as we come together on a Sunday morning, we're strengthened. But even more so, when we care for each other during the week, you know, we can experience community. 
Let's, um, let's wrap things up here. And, and as we do so, let's don't forget that what we feed grows and what we starve dies. So we need to feed our spirits through prayer. You know, most of us do not hunger after God in prayer. We don't like prayer meetings. We announce a concert. We announce a night of worship like we had a week or two ago. And people get here early to reserve seats. But what happens for our prayer meetings? You know, we drag in just a handful of people out of obligation. And and I realize a corporate prayer meeting is not the only place to pray. But it's a place where you can gather together, agree on something, and touch the heart of God. So we need to learn to feed our spirit through prayer. My question is, are you doing that? Are you feeding your spirit through prayer? And then uh, we need to feed our spirit with His Word daily. And We read our little devotional in the booklet that the church provides, and that's good. And I read it as well. I've got a couple of other devotionals that I read. But, read, but those are not substitutes for going straight to the Word of God. And, and I'll just be open with you that were it not for the, the Word of God, being fed with God's Word, I would not have what it takes because I am so vulnerable. I am just a couple of minutes away from being a casualty. Without the, the steadiness of God's Word, I all, I'm almost sure that I would be divorced right now. I probably would have done something destructive. I'm serious, I'm just a couple of moments away from doing something totally wrong. But but God's Word that I've tried to hide in my heart has brought me a stability. And no, I haven't arrived yet. The paint is still wet. But But God has given me the stability and steadiness that has helped keep me clean and pure. And then I'm so thankful for the community that God has given me. I love the life group that... I was a part of these this last year, and in that life group, we became like family, and I, I shared with them some things about my life that up to the moment I had never shared publicly. Fifty-some years, never shared publicly until I found that community and friends that I felt like I could trust, that wouldn't judge me, and that were there praying for me. And the support and the encouragement that I received was so rewarding, and and some of you, you need to get plugged into a, a, a group of fellow believers that are like-minded. So, as we wrap up uh, this series, I know you're tempted. To be human is to be tempted. But the question is, um, what are you doing about that? Are you overcoming? Or are you one of those that just succumbs every time? And, and you're kind of like those rats in that first experiment. You've just succumbed to a low level of existence because you're not connected. You're not being fed through prayer, through the Word, and through the community of the body of Christ. And so, uh, this morning I have such a passion that we would not live above temptation because we're not going to be able to. Temptation's going to come, but I have a passion that God would help us to not have to succumb to that low level of existence. That 
God would make us overcomers. And you say, boy, that just sounds so hard. Well, it's impossible if we're trying to do it in our own strength. But when we are connected to God, then what's impossible becomes doable. It becomes realistic because now it's not us. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. And so if you're struggling with the temptation, there's a way out. Don't, don't fall for what society says that, well, that's just the way it is. You know, we're all tempted. We're all going to sin a little bit every day. That's not what the Bible is telling us we should do. The Bible is telling us to be more than a conqueror. And so don't get sucked up into that philosophy that, yeah, it's okay. You know, I'll I'll sin today. I'll ask God to forgive me tonight. And then I'll go out and do the same thing tomorrow. No, God wants us to live a life of purity and holiness. And the thing about it is it's possible not through us. It's impossible through us. But through Jesus Christ, he's the source that we can be connected to. We can live a life of victory. So this morning, as we wrap this up, if you're feeling frustrated because you've thought that that's just the way it is, you know, I'm always going to have this temptation that's just going to eat my lunch. There's a way out. That's what scripture says. There's always a way out. It's not through trying harder. It's not through blocking it out of your mind. But it's through being connected to the source, Christ Jesus. Before we pray this morning, maybe there's somebody here that would say, Joe, with God's help, I I really, I really want to see, I want to rise above some temptations that I've been falling into. Nobody looking, eyes closed. Is there anybody here that would say, Joe, would you pray for me? This week, I'm going to, with God's help, rise above. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand and your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to just pray for you right now. Father, thank you, Lord, that you give us a way out. Lord, thank you that we don't have to fall into sin every time a temptation comes along. Lord, we've learned that temptation is not sin. But Lord, when we succumb to that temptation and and do those things that Satan would like for us to do, then it becomes sin. Lord, we can't get rid of all temptation, even though that we can we can sometimes cut the power off on some just by avoiding certain things, certain places. We can cut the power off to some, but temptation will always reach us. But Father, I just pray that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to resist in the name of Jesus. Lord, through prayer, through your word, through the community, the body of Christ. Lord, that there would be that newfound strength. Lord, I can't believe how many hands were raised. I, yes, I can believe it because we're, we're all there, Lord. We, we all know what it is to struggle. But I just pray that those people that raised their hands and said this week, 
I'm going to be working with God's help. I pray that you would give them victory in Jesus. And Lord, that this would be a time that we could basically just say, Satan, away from me. It's written. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be connected. I'm no longer going to succumb to that low level of living and just living for myself and living tomorrow and living, you know, for the weekend, living for the next party or living for the next next event. But, Lord, we would be able to just say, God, I'm going to live for someone bigger than me. And so, God, I just ask that those people that have raised their hands, that truly want to break free, that you would give them the ability to break those chains. They can't do it on their own, but through Jesus, we are more than conquerors. And as we go through this week, Father, we know that there will be struggles. There will be issues. But again, you're bigger. We thank you. We believe that this will be a life-changing week for some people as as they become clean, as they uh, quit some bad habits, as they stop some substance abuse, as they quit gossiping, quit criticizing, as maybe they even give up their addiction to worry, just worried about everything. And this would be the week that we begin to just truly put our trust in you and Lord we ask for your help thank you for your goodness Lord we know that uh, as we leave here we'll be scattering and with it being uh, Memorial Weekend maybe taking a trip and Lord those that have been out of town that we miss so much today they'll be coming back I pray God that you would just give peace and protection on the highway Lord, for what you do for us, we will praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.